All right, so I just finished talking with Lee Stewart. This one was a blast. You're going to enjoy it. There's a lot to unpack here. We cover the gambit, whether we're talking about YouTube, snowmobiles, motorcycles, printing apparel, embroidery, you name it. It's going to be in this one. We're going to go ahead and get started with it. Here's Lee Stewart. Thank you so much for doing this. I sincerely appreciate it. I, I know we've talked quite a bit uh, over the last couple of weeks and a lot of people know you already right out of the gate, but just to be on the safe side, can you introduce like yourself, your company, and then let's rock and roll, man. Um, yeah, my name is Lee Stewart. I own a print shop called Rogue Lab. We do graphic design, screen printing, all kinds of cool stuff. And I'm also probably better known as um, one of the, I guess, better screen printing YouTubers out there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about it. I don't know. <laughs> one of the better screen printing YouTubers out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trying to keep that's it as nice as possible. <laughs> you're, I'll tell you why. Like you're, so what turned me on to you initially was um, I saw your content and what I loved about it was it was super clean, which, you know, we screenprinting.com, Ryan, they had always done really, really clean stuff. And I love that, especially when I was working with them. But um, at the same time too, like you had really clean stuff and you were very true. I mean, you know, I remember the first videos that I saw of yours was you were setting up your, your new shop or nothing. You now are getting ready to move into a new one. But when you were first putting together um, that whole setup uh, with the Riley Hopkins and everything, and you'd put like something on the wall. What did you put on the wall? What's on yeah, the wall in your shop? It says put in the fucking work. That was like <laughs> the first things I did in there to like, it's literally directly in my eyeline when I'm working on my press. And right. Every single day, it was a reminder to, you know, put in the fucking work because I was diving into something that I had no idea about. I had yeah. you know, scrimped and saved and busted ass for over a year to bring this screen printing operation in house. Cause I had a clothing brand at the time and uh, all the local printers were just letting me down. The, the quality was garbage and just numerous issues were coming up to the point where I was just like, dude, I got to do this myself already because no one's going to care about my brand. Like I will. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I just busted my ass for like a year um, and saved up all this money and just dumped it into screen printing and went head first into it with like a full setup. I didn't start with like a little single station press and, you know, the typical yeah. start of year setup. I had like a, a pro manual shop set up right out of the gate and I had no clue how to use it. So that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was my first reminder to myself was made this giant sticker on my wall that I could stare at every day. And uh, I still to this day, you know, and stuff starts kicking me in the ass all day long and i feel like giving up then i just have to look up and i'm like all right so we saw do. we used to always have in our, our shops too we'd have a hammer and it was like those orange uh mallets you know that, that you'll see yep. in machine shops and stuff and on the handle side of it we put a bottle opener and then we wrote on it micro registration tool so that <laughs> you know whenever you're setting up a job when we were first learning i mean we were just we were horrible at it and um just micro registration or getting things lined up without micros before we had it was just such a pain. And sometimes we were just like, just gonna want to, I just want to take a hammer to it and crack a beer and kind of chill out. So <laughs> I couldn't imagine not having micros. I mean, like my first, I don't know, week or two screen printing with micros, trying to get that registration lined up, even with like the most disgustingly huge choke on the planet. Right. What's a nightmare? Like it was bad. Those first, uh, two or three videos that I ever put out about screen printing, you can see it. It's just, I was not having a good time. <laughs> so, <laughs> <it's pretty heated. laughs> so what, what, okay. So, so real quick, I want to ask this question and then go back farther. But so what made you choose that press, that kit, where you bought it, 
you know, and like, like, how do you know to, to get something with micros or, or not? And, you know, is there anything you do different about that choice of the, the kit, what you got? Um, the only thing that I would do differently at this point, like this is something that I would have never known at the time. Uh, the only thing I would have done differently now is I would have gotten the bigger press because mm. the bigger okay. press at the time, which uh, they stopped making, it was the Riley 500. Um, it used the same platens and screens and all that as you would on a rock uh, or, okay. you know, what, so the transition to auto was basically already there. Um, whereas the press I have now, it doesn't, you know, seamlessly go over like that. It's all different stuff. So that's the only thing that I would have done different. And, uh, but I mean, starting off with the knowledge I had, no one would have ever known that. So I can't really be mad about it. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the big thing for me with going that direction was, uh, Ryonet's online presence. That was, Mm -hmm. that was the kicker for me. I learned everything I knew up to that point about screen printing by watching those videos, like nonstop for a thousand percent. For almost every single day, I watched <laughs> Ryan on my TV screen every morning, sitting there eating Fruit Loops. Hey, it's Ryan from Ryanet. We're gonna teach you some screen printing stuff today, and this, that's that was every day until my screen printing gear showed up here. And uh, yeah, as soon as I kind of like got into their stuff, I was just like, this is the company I want to go with. Yeah, uh, because obviously they care about what I'm doing, and they're probably gonna be the better, you know, when it comes to customer service and all that kind of stuff. I just you could tell that. Uh, from a distance and then of course once I start working with them then yeah that was very apparent yeah and the cool I mean you know my story is similar as far as why I chose Ryan because we when we bought our first kit for my screen printing company the same scenario you know we were like okay if we're going to do it let's do it right let's see what we you know scrape up some money and then um, and it was it was either the the guys at Ryan at or, or some dude out of New York right like the, and the difference between the two of them was that this Ryan at company had all the education and I could learn from it. And it was funny. I was talking to Ryan months back and um, I was, I was thinking about it. Cause I, I kept on, I used to work with Ryan at and screenprint.com and, and we'd have all these awesome conversations all the time. And one of the funniest things I hear, I would hear constantly would be, you know, Oh yeah, man, every morning at breakfast, I'd sit down and I'd watch the YouTube videos or like every night, you know, I'd sit there and watch YouTube videos and my mom, even because when we first started our company, it was a family or a business, she would call it cooking with Ryan because she would like turn it on while she was cooking at night and stuff. Like <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And I'm like, I wonder if Ryan realizes how many kitchens he's actually been in because it's just, it's got to be astronomical. Like how many people oh. eat and watch these, these videos, but it's super great. I love, you know, the content that's coming out as far as the education stuff is just, it's bar none great. I mean, with screen printing a thousand percent and you're working with them quite a bit now. Um, yeah, it's right? crazy now, like, you know, going from where I was then, and now I'm partnered with them on a, a pretty high level. That's, uh, new to the industry, I guess you could say. And, uh, yeah, they've been backing me since day one. Like basically once I put out those first couple videos, um, I, I was talking to my sales guy, Ronald, which is someone who I talk to almost every day now, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, from a guy selling me to press to, you know, homie, but uh, yeah, I put out those first couple and I was just like, Hey man, I made some, uh, some YouTube videos about, you know, getting all this stuff and setting it up here, check these things out and see what you think. And, you know, me thinking that this guy's probably like, Oh yeah, cool. And junk, <laughs> junk mail. <laughs> and, uh, sure enough, he watched them and, uh, and was stoked and yeah, he hit me up right away and was like, man, these are, these are awesome and whatever. And then like, I don't know, I kept doing it for a little while longer, a few more weeks, a few more months, whatever it was went by. And then uh, they started getting more in touch with me about what I'm doing and so on. And we started building a relationship and uh, yeah, now here we are, we're 
doing some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's it's really neat what you're doing. I mean, and to see kind of what just in the small amount of time that like we've talked over the last little bit and having known, seen some of those first Ryan up videos, I mean, you're just killing it. Oh, I love the content again, but also because you're very upfront and not, I mean, your, your videos look really great, but you talk real talk, you know, when you're like, this part's kind of shitty. Like you say, it's kind of shitty. (laughs) It's great. You know? So tell me, tell me this, go, go farther back. So what, why did you even get into doing your own brand? You weren't printing yet. You wanted to start a brand. Where, where did that happen? Where'd that come from? Well, it's actually something I always wanted to do for probably like, I don't know, like 15 years. Like I should have mm-hmm. done this a long time ago. I, uh, I used to be a professional snowmobile rider, professional motorcycle rider. So I was always working with different brands and companies and whatever, and got to see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. And I always just thought it was really, really cool. It was something that always interested me. And I've always had like a creative side nice. and I never went after it. And then Years went down the road and I, I eventually started doing YouTube uh, with the Harley wheelie stuff. I had retired from riding for a living and decided I'm just going to try this thing out and started making YouTube videos about that. And, uh, and it was going pretty decent. I started, you know, picking up sponsors again for, for that whole thing because it was picking up speed. And uh, yeah, so I was, I, I was working with a clothing company at the time and uh, I'm not going to get into it, but they pulled some really greasy stuff and I had to pull the plug and be like, beat it. <laughs> and, uh, sorry man it's yeah so i was i was kind of pissed and just like you know what i'm gonna just i'm gonna start one up like tomorrow nice because <laughs> you know, i had a bunch of other companies right away you know like once i announced that i was not working with these people it was like blood in the water and all these other guys like oh we'll we'll do this we'll do this we'll do this and everyone just had some you know some shitty angle that i didn't like you know there was just something was about like- it just like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I used to have to like do things on other people's terms when I was riding for a living. I always had to like, you know, follow a certain look and talk a certain way and all that kind of stuff. And this was slowly starting to turn into that same thing. And I was just like, you know what? No, I'm going to do this my own way and I'm going to start my own thing and I can do whatever I want. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's exactly what I did. And um, thankfully it worked out because I was like... it was dire times. <laughs> I was yeah. putting everything I had into the YouTube thing at the time thinking like, hopefully I can make this work and turn into something and like turn into a job. So I like full dedication mode went into that for like two years. And by the time I started my brand, I literally had like 500 bucks left in my bank account. And I was about this close to having to like, you know, move back in with my mom at 30 years old and just, it's wow. not a good. So yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I uh, started a brand on a whim and everyone told me it was a batshit crazy idea and it worked. Why does it always seem to be that way? I mean, like some of the best ideas or some of the best brands that are around, you know, they all say something similar. They're like, yeah, I had this idea. And most people, if not everyone said that I was dumb or that it was a weird, crazy thing to do. And now it's kind of going pretty cool, you know, or it's going amazing. I mean, you know, I have a similar story too, to where like they started in a time where it was like a really bad time to do it. Right. Right. Um, Like most of the, very successful brands out there started when they were like, they were broke. And I think yeah. the way that it works is because we're hungrier. We like, it I think has so. to work. It, if it doesn't work, we are screwed. So like we're putting everything we have into it. Every waking moment we have is dedicated to it. And I think that's the difference maker. Do you think that, I mean, cause, cause yeah, I would completely agree. If you're, if you're not, if you don't have everything on the line at a certain point, it, it totally changes your game, your mindset. What's the worst case scenario? Well, I don't make as much money, right? If you've got a backer as an example. Um, yeah. So I think that's such a big thing. And 
I talk with a lot of apparel brands and um, because they're getting into printing, whether it's screen printing, DTG, or just talking through stuff. And they all will say a very similar thing, Um, you know, where it's like, yeah, if I didn't sell, if I didn't grow, then I wasn't putting food on the table or, you know, I had to take two extra jobs to pay for things while I was figuring this out, you know, whatever. And I think that's something that is for some people getting lost. I think some people are getting lost and not going down that path. I think more people should go down that path in some way. Um, You learn so much, like, um, you know, you pay for education one of two ways, go to school or hard knocks, figure it out, fail forward. (laughs) That's the way I I mean, I didn't finish high school. I can tell you that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I turned pro riding when I was 15 years old. So I was just really you guys later. (laughs) Was that, was that motocross snowmobile? What was that? That was the snowmobile thing that started. Well, it was like motocross and snowmobile basically at the same time. Okay. Um, And that's kind of like, I think where all this, uh, I guess, hunger and work ethic came from because I was thrown to the wolves, like right out of the gate. I just, the sport of freestyle snowmobiling, it started off like, you know, it just kind of started out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden people are getting calls like, you know, you want to do this for a job. We're going to start this tour, go around the world and do all these events and whatever nice. it's the first time it's ever happened. And yeah, I was in the 10th grade when I got that call. I just sent in like a video to some guy, you know, thinking whatever it is, what it is, it's never going to come back. And sure enough, I got this phone call like, yep, you want to come to the first event? We'll try you out. <laughs> and it was <laughs> It was crazy because I was like, I was not good enough to be there at all. Like I had some tricks, but I was nowhere near at the level. Like the guys that were there are the guys that I idolized and that I watched in videos. At the time you had to buy videos. We didn't have YouTube and all that stuff. Yeah. So you had to buy like the Crusty Demons of Dirt videos, the Sled Next videos, that kind of stuff to see what, what we're looking at. And uh, all these guys were like on posters in my bedroom wall. Like I literally at that first event, I was competing against these dudes and I went through the locker room and I got everybody's autograph. <laughs> <laughs> So you, <laughs> what's up, man? Yeah, I'm going to begin. So can I yeah. get your autograph? <laughs> yeah, like the one dude was like a god to me. Like he showed up at my house to like because the first event was in Alaska, and we had to most we were were in Winnipeg, so we were kind of like the central hub. All, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, to ship all these snowmobiles for all the guys like on the south side up to Alaska. And yeah, the the biggest name dude showed up in my house one day, and I was just sitting there like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say to this guy. <laughs> and, so and, you- yeah. So, okay. Sorry. Finish that. I'm sorry. This is just a crazy oh, yeah. story to me. This and then, yeah, I was competing against these dudes and sure enough, uh, you know, the first event went by, I kind of got knocked around a bit and that lit a fire under my ass and I went home and practiced real hard for like two weeks and then showed up at the next event and, uh, got second. Wow. So you completely <laughs> bombed the first one yeah. against these guys that are on, well, I, on your wall, posters on your wall. I choked so hard. Like this, this arena was filled. Like there was like, uh, it was a, a decent sized hockey arena. So like, uh, like 13, 14,000 people in there. Um, and yeah, like my second jump out in my run, I full on just yard sailed in front of everybody. Like <laughs> bars got scorpion, the sled ran me over and stuff. And I was just laid out there in front of everybody. <laughs> and then, yeah. Came back it's like and, what not uh, to do, how to end your career. The first day it starts. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad. That's well, awesome though. I mean, you know, so, cause you took that just, com- what's that not to be rude, but complete failure. Right. And just yeah. turn it around to second place on the in two weeks. And yep. so, so then you were on full bore on tour. Yeah. Were- and also with that first event too, like I showed up with no sponsors, no, nothing like no help. I was racing at the time. And at the time, like freestyle was shunned upon by the racing industry, like big time. Oh, okay. Did not like it. So I was like, if you're going to do this, you have no help from any of us. So I showed up with like hand-me-down gear and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, by the next event, 
I was fully kitted out on one of the top teams in the industry. That's awesome. And then, <laughs> and so you did that for how long, how long were you a pro? Um, just over 10 years, I think. What was your favorite place you went? Uh, the favorite, it's hard to say, I guess. Cause like there's different aspects to it. Like the favorite place I've ever ridden, uh, would definitely be in Alaska. The, the riding up there is just bananas. Like just that's, nuts. that's we're away from contests and whatever. And we're just out in the backcountry riding and there's like, there's big jumps everywhere and you can just go ham. Um, that was <laughs> definitely some of the coolest riding I've ever seen. And the guys up there, they're on like a whole other level too. Like I had, I had a real reality check when I got up there. Cause those dudes <laughs> like, they don't even go to get out of bed to hit a jump below 150 feet. Like <laughs> it's, that's it's insane. Crazy. Yeah. So full send or no send, I guess. Right. Yeah. Something and then, like as far as like places I traveled to, I'd say like Sweden's definitely on the top of the list and Russia, of course, too. Like we rode right in, in Moscow in front of the Kremlin, which was pretty crazy. That's insane. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a picture of me in one of those Ripley's believe it or not books jumping in front of that. Uh, what's that place called? The St. Something cathedral, St. Basil's. I think it is that crazy cathedral there right by the Kremlin. Um, super crazy, super That's crazy awesome. experience. Yeah. So, I mean, and you started that when, before you even had a driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like before you're even 16 and you're, you're pulling to that. And so then you go through all this stuff and then what made you get out of it? Um, I just didn't really have the drive for it anymore. After a little while, it was pretty much, pretty much it. Like, you know, I, I was only like 25. So it's, I was super young at the time, but I had already lived 10 you know, years, 30 years right. during that time frame, pretty yeah. much because it was just go, go, go. And there's like, you know, all the riding, all the crashing, all the partying, there's all kinds of stuff, you know, behind the scenes that goes along with it too. Right. So mm -hmm. I was just kind of didn't really have it anymore. I started like hanging out at home more, started like getting, you know, seriously dating a chick and whatever. And was just like starting to enjoy a normal life a little bit more. And I think that just kind of like sapped my drive to continue on doing that. Gotcha. And then you started your apparel brand and were you outsourced? You were outsourcing from the beginning, right? Everything yeah. printed somewhere else. Yeah. I had everything printed locally for the first, I think year or so year and a half. Nice. And, uh, then I got my screen printing gear and that was again, another one of those things where it was like, I'm putting everything I have into this. You know, I dug myself out of that hole that I was in, in the beginning and, uh, put myself right back in one, <laughs> getting all this screen printing <laughs> gear. And I was like, Hey, I've done this. Now it has to work again. Nice. I mean, and so I talk with a ton of people who want to start a brand and they're all, and they're trying to decide, should they start the brand and outsource and then bring in printing or start the brand with printing out of the get-go? How would you answer that to someone who's asking, you know, it's, yeah, I want to start a brand. Which route should I go? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to answer because I, I get asked that question a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think we talked about this before, like how many DMs and emails I get on a daily basis. And that's like probably one of the most popular topics. Like I get asked that question at least 50 times a day. Nice. And um, <laughs> a very, very difficult answer because it really is dependent on who you're talking to. Um, the first thing I ask them is like, how bad do you want to be a screen printer? Because like, if it's just to print your own brand in house, then I would say, send it to somebody else because yeah. become, you have to become a, a screen printer. You can't like, it's not about your brand anymore. Not unless you like, don't really care as much about the quality. Like I'm a crazy person when it comes to that. So I want everything to be perfect. Right. And uh, I learned real fast, like how hard screen printing actually is and how much I had to dedicate to it. And that actually ended up taking time away from my brand more and more and more, the more I dove into screen printing. So yeah, I would say like, if you're going to do it, you got to know you want to be a screen printer 
first and the brand owner second. That's right. the best advice I can give on the, on the subject. It seems like too, I mean, a lot of people that get into um, brands and making their own apparel line, they're either coming from, uh, you know, I, I'm the art guy, I have this vision and I, you know, with this niche or this thing, or I'm the printer guy, I'm really into this printing and maybe I can have a brand to help pay the bills. Because I, I hear that a lot, that latter one too. And a big thing that I keep on talking to people about is, you know, screen printing, you don't, you do not make money printing shirts as a screen printer. You make money selling shirts. And if you are a brand that is selling shirts and then you bring in printing in-house, like you just said, you're taking that focus away from the brand. You're taking that focus away from sales. So you have to be careful when you're getting into that um, or just don't sleep for a while. You know, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) my case. Um, Yeah, because you're going to do it. You got to like, it's, you can't be a one man operation. I think if you're going to do it right, which is something that like I am, well, I'm not anymore. I've got a, a couple people here now, but, um, you definitely need some help to do it. Cause if you're going to dedicate all that time to screen printing, like you said, you know, the sales and stuff and the marketing, all that stuff is going to lack. Like that's uh, where I noticed I wasn't making content for my brand anymore. Cause I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of stuff like that. So you start, you'd have to have like a team in place and start delegating stuff out. If you have that, then of course that's, definitely something that is feasible and is a good thing too, because I mean, like your profit margin on your brand now becomes like astronomical compared to right. people. like, yeah, you're making serious money on your shirts now, sell them at that full retail price when you're printing them yourself. So, I mean, it's definitely a good move. You just got to be prepared for it. And that's yeah. something that I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, you talk with some of these people who've, who've gone through that process and, and yeah, when you come out the other side and you have control over production and a direct tie to retail, like that margin is astronomical. But uh, I think too, I used to teach a lot of screen printing and, and a lot of people look at screen printing or they don't necessarily know how shirts are made. And the thing is screen printing is a bunch of simple steps. Like when you really break it down, you know, pulling a squeegee isn't so hard, but you got to make sure that you've got the right squeegee. You have to make sure that you have the right screen. Your stencil was put on correctly. Your artwork was separated correctly. Like all these simple pieces that lead up to pulling that squeegee and yeah. people just, they don't know it. They don't get it. And then they get into it and they're like, Oh wow. Yeah. Maybe I should have gotten that better exposure unit. Okay. All right. Yeah. You know? That's a big hurdle. Everyone has a hard time with right at the beginning is making the screens. That's probably the hardest yep. part about it. That's definitely where I was really eating shit for the first week or so. I was not, <laughs> I was not having fun. Um, yeah. but then you like one, once you get a print down on a shirt and whatever, then like, you know, you've got, the option of like, well, this is good enough, or I want to be awesome at this now. And that's yeah. when you find like these simple steps are no longer simple because there's so many little nuances just to like, yeah. just to pull squeegee in general. There's so many little things involved with that to, that will make the difference between a nice print and a bad print. Um, never right. mind all the other stuff, you know, that, that goes along with it. So it gets pretty, if you're someone like me, then yeah, it's uh it's a lot to take it, in. <laughs> yeah. And you're super, you're super critical. Right. I'm extremely critical about yeah. everything, especially if I'm doing it. Like oh, I yeah. want it absolutely perfect. I want, I'm going to go over every fine little detail about everything. And, uh, and yeah, and it just gets worse as it goes on too. Cause I mean, <laughs> I used to do that in the beginning and then now mm-hmm. I look at the prints I used to do back then. I'm like, Ugh, what the hell is that? You, yeah. <laughs> you start like your, your vision changes, right? You're like, Oh yeah. wow. Why did I not know that? Or man, I'm glad that didn't get returned. I know I had, I've had a lot of those, those feelings over the years, you know, where you're like, Oh, I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing, but it worked, I guess. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. That first like couple months, it was just kind of like, you know, just flying by the seat of my pants. Most of the time, just putting stuff out there and like, I hope this works. Did you get to a point where you were like outsourcing part of the process or, you know, did you, or anything like that? Cause I know a lot of people they'll, they'll say, well, I'm really great at the printing side of it, but I'm not so great at the art. So I'll outsource art or separations or website, whatever, maybe have you ever gotten into that, any of that when you're kind of in that growth spurt? No. Cause I, I had the foresight to bring it in house immediately. Nice. Um, I found a, a good guy that who's like, you know, he's my main guy now. Um, at the time I'd, was working with someone and uh, they kind of bailed or whatever on the art side. And I was like, in a pinch, this cat is just (laughs) his favorite thing in the world. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I found a a local dude to just take on a couple projects for me in a pinch and he knocked him out and was like, cool. So I started sending him more and more and more. And I saw, you know, he was, he was good and he was also progressing. And he also had that same, like the same drive that I had the same drive Ah, to get good at it. And I was just like, dude, why don't you come and like be part of this thing? Cause I think this is a good fit. And, uh, that was like a five minute conversation. He was like, yeah, let's do this thing. And he's been here ever since. And he is a beast at what he does now. Like the progression he goes through from like day one to now, it's just, it's crazy. And that was your first employee. This guy. Yeah. 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 And what, what were you originally getting him to do? Um, just the, the very start of it was just doing designs for my brand. Um, and then we were nice. starting to get in client work for the print shop, like a little bit of design stuff. And, uh, so I was feeding him more and more of that stuff. And then slowly like the design side of the print shop turned into something bigger and bigger and bigger. And now it's the point where, you know, he's booked for four or five months at a time. That's awesome. Was it what the, the choice of to have that five minute conversation, you know, you talked about how he was really good at what he was doing was part of that too. You started to see kind of like, Oh, he's really good at doing this and he can offload and we can do more by working together for, for him, um, for my decision to like, you know, want to bring him on and want to work with him long-term, which I don't think I've ever even told him this. So Dan, if you're listening, you're going to get a little insight here. (laughs) Um, The biggest thing about him was those first couple designs that he did, like the first drafts of them, I'm going to straight up say that they were like, they were not good. Um, Cool. But he was able to take criticism very well because I'm, I'm obviously extremely critical and I'm not shy about telling people what I think is wrong with their shit sometimes. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, especially when it comes down to like, he's making something for my brand that I'm going to put out there. So I'm just like no filter at all. And I told him exactly what was wrong, what I think needed to be changed, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, you know, some artists don't deal with that very well. Some mm-hmm. of them really take that to heart and they give you a little bit of attitude and whatever. And he was like, yep, I see it cool. I'm going to go back and fix this. And then comes back. Is this good? Yep. Perfect. And he's always like that. And he always like, you know, he's got no ego when it comes to that stuff. Like every design that comes out of here to this day passes like my inspection first, pretty much like he doesn't have to, but he just, he always sends something to me whenever he's working on it or whenever he's about to send it to a client. Cause he knows I'm going to give him a no bullshit response about what I think about it. And, uh, yeah, sometimes they're perfect. Sometimes they're not. And I'll tell him exactly what needs to be changed. And it's just, you know, He's, he's on top of it right away. He doesn't care. See, it's, so that's, it's, that's like, well, that's really cool to hear. I mean, you know, and props to him. That's, is that the first compliment you've given him before? No, I give him some. <laughs> Just kidding. I give more shit than compliments, but yeah. It's, uh, it's, I don't think funny. I've ever told him that direct. Like people, people have asked me commonly, you know, what do I look for in a good screen printer? What do I look for in a good designer or, um, you know, someone to bring on to do X at my company. And 
especially when you're dealing with startups or growing businesses, I feel like the number one thing is teachability and just, and just the, the, the drive to, to want to dig in, you know, I mean, the fact that you found that guy is a super awesome diamond in the rough because man, like we, um, the, our head tech here, his name's Brendan. And he's like that super teachable, you know, just comes in, gets the job done, digs in and, but very, very, very teachable, um, and has a great work ethic, work ethic and drive. And man, I've hired and let go of a lot of people over the years. And that's really hard to find is that right there, you know? And, uh, I think when it comes to creatives, that's probably the best quality that a creative can have. A thousand percent. Because like, a yep. lot of them have egos and like, you know, their vision is their vision. And they don't want to stray from that. And I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's tough to match up that exactly with like a client. You know, some people, they have their vision, you have yours, and then you got to mesh it together somehow. That's how this game works. And some designers just can't get around that. Right. And, and screen printers and stuff too. It's the same thing. You know, they think their quality is good enough and, I mean, I've got some shirts literally right over there in the corner that they're definitely not good enough. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they, they didn't like when I told them that. And so, yeah. And and it's so, so, okay. So let's keep on going. Right. I mean, so you've got, so you brought in this guy and, and you've, where you've brought in screen printing, you started making these videos, things are going well, you're constantly critiquing, you're constantly learning, right. Which is thousand percent awesomeness. The brand's starting to go well, you've got, other people, other brands coming to you to print. And then you got in the embroidery, right? Or you started to get in there. Like what, what, what did you add after screen printing? You know, you're making everything better. Why did you want to bring in something else? Um, well, I, I actually, like, I didn't start with screen printing. I started off with a heat press. That was like what, ah, okay, thing. cool. Um, cause I mean, I was still kind of broke at the time. Oh, you little bastard. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> cat. So yeah, like right out of the gate, the thing that I was having the most problems with getting um, when I wasn't making my own stuff was getting hats done because the local embroidery places were, they're awful. And still to this day, they're pretty awful, at least around me. Um, they're just overcharging, underperforming, you know, the worst of the worst. So I, uh, I bought a heat press because I, I got learned about, you know, heat press patches and stuff. And I was like, well, mm. I can just heat press these onto hats and whatever. So I'll buy a, a sweet ass heat press and hopefully that works. And that's what I did. And then uh, I used that to save us money, bought a vinyl cutter. Then I used those two things in tandem to save a bit more money. I bought a bigger heat press to start doing plastisol transfers. And then I used those three things to like go hard on, you know, making clothes for some people off the side for you know a year until I could save up the money to buy my screen printing gear. Nice. Um, but then after that, yeah, I added embroidery last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, uh, that was more so a, a partnership deal with, uh, with the YouTube channel kind of thing, cool. which is something I wanted to bring in house for a very long time anyways, but I was waiting to you know make some kind of a, a relationship like that where we could do it. Because obviously at that time, my channel was at the point where, you know, it's, it's a serious advertising avenue for people. So right. I was kind of waiting around for, for something like that for the right deal. And um, yeah, we had a, a few people and I said no to along the way. And then Melco came along and was like, this is, this is the fit. This is the one. And I brought him on. So yeah, we've been doing embroidery now for a little bit. I've haven't put as much time into it as I should have for the last little while, just because the, the way the business is going is it's growing faster than I can keep up with. So nice. <laughs> <no> problem. <laughs> yeah. There's only so much I can do. I'm trying to make videos at the same time and try to keep up with all this stuff. So I haven't put a ton of time into that yet because that's like a, again, a very hard skill to learn. It's not as easy as, you know, 
plugging a design into a machine and flicking the thing on. It's, it's very difficult and it's yeah. going to take time to figure it out. And I want to make sure when I show everyone the, this is what we're doing, that it's you know, up to my standard. Nice. Cool. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Hoop tension and underlay. Jeez, man. All kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. I still don't even know all like the glossary of terms when it comes to that stuff. Like <laughs> I work with some of the guys at Melco now and they'll say a bunch of stuff to me. I'm just like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Like, they send you that translation book, you know, yeah. where you have like all the de- the definitions. <laughs> so but I'm, oh, I'm picking it up. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm picking it up slowly. I'm trying to learn like the digitizing thing on my own, which is something mm-hmm. most people outsource, which is something I'm still probably going to do just because it's it's a time saver. But I'd like to be able to take those designs when they come to me and fix the stuff that I want to fix in it because those guys just, you know, it's yeah, bring it in, put it out like as fast as possible. It's like fast food almost mm-hmm. in this industry. Just take a design in and digitize it and get the hell out of here. So yeah. I'd like to take those and then tweak them accordingly to what I need. So I've been, I've been learning quite a bit about that the last little while. So you have a Facebook group. You're yes. mentioning, right? What, what is the Facebook group? What's the goal of Facebook group? Uh, the Facebook group is rogue printers. It's something I started up like a year, year and a half ago, somewhere around there. Um, it's been awesome. It's been such a killer resource for people in the industry, whether they're beginners to, to pros it's, it's grown into something so awesome that I could have never expected. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's like that community mentality of people learning and sharing their wins and, yeah. and asking questions. And, and you're just seeing, you're just seeing people really come together on that. Yeah. It's a really good community. And like the difference between that one and like the other ones out there was because the other ones, I just, I didn't like them. I saw the way like beginners were treated in the other ones. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of print groups out there. And if, a, you know, the beginner questions, it's always like the same 10 questions over and over again. We, we, we know, we know. Um, yeah. So like in those other groups, these beginners are just getting like, they're just getting trashed on super hard over and over and over again. I was just watching this like, man, this sucks so bad. And like, you know, that's half of what was going on in those groups. So I was just like, you know, I'm just going to start my own and I'm going to change the way it's done. And I'm going to actually like, you know, be involved in this thing because moderate it actively like moderators or the people who started it have like not involved in them at all. They don't care what goes on in those things. They use it as like a thing to like post their video or post their website and whatever. And they're out of there. Um, Right. Whereas me, I'm like, I'm in my group every day making sure like, you know, that's not happening. Um, We keep advertising out of there because as soon as you start monetizing, something like that. Like you know, the, the special thing about it goes out the window really fast. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and stuff like that. So we keep it about printing and you can, as long as it's about printing, anything flies in there, which is awesome. And yeah, like the amount of help that I see getting passed around in there every day is it's amazing. And like, it's, it's something that's helped me out, you know, in the long run too, yeah. because we started off with like mostly me um, answering beginners questions and stuff. And now we've got all these like multi-year veterans of screen printing joining this thing and now like you know i'm getting advice and stuff like that and it's just it's super awesome it's really cool i mean like you know because i i see it all the time where these groups are one or the other it's either one you know people are bagging on the on the beginner questions or everything it's like question good answer and then just a slew of drama which just really gets it really stinks because the only way that our industry is going to continue whether we're talking screen printing, DTG, embroidery, science, whatever, the only way that it's really going to continue to change is if people keep sharing and helping and bringing new eyes. Because what you see and what I see, and we're looking at the same thing, we're going to interpret differently. And yep. it's it's really cool that you're doing that. And um, the, there's a couple of them out there that I really, really like. And then there's some ones that over 
over the years kind of start to avoid, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's mostly like the old school guys with a problem. Um, and I'm going to say that outright cause I don't care. Um, those dudes, they, they have an <laughs> issue with like giving out free information. They think like we're taking money out of their pockets now. Right. Because we're going to sure. teach all these other screen printers and blow the business up. Taking my secrets. Be- yeah, there's going to be no work left for anybody because like, you know, I get a ton of hate about that because I'm giving away secrets on my YouTube channel every day. And, uh, you yeah. know, a lot of people really don't like that. But when it comes down to it, the more people active in the industry, the better it's going to be for all of us. And like, you know, if you're that worried about it, step your game up, man. That's really, if you're good enough, no one's going to leave and go somewhere else. That's yeah. really what it boils down to. Yeah, I think that's a, that's definitely a big thing. I mean, you know, and and if you have good quality, good customer support, if you're learning and constantly growing just as a decorator, you're you're going to do some cool things. And um this idea of, you know, holding my secrets, I mean, there's there's not a ton of secrets kind of left to be honest. It's just people interpreting things differently. And yeah. that's where everyone continues to win. That's why certain ink is now better than it used to be. Certain processes are now like like lasers. I mean, like the way that they're doing direct to screen lasers and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, like just crazy stuff. That all originally comes from someone talking to another person saying, hey, I got this weird idea because I'm having this problem. What do you think about? It? Oh, well, I know a guy who has lasers, whatever it is, you know, and just that share and sharing of knowledge and experience. It, just, it can't stop. If it does, then we all stop. It's just ridiculous. Well, like it, it was so different before, right? Because before the internet, and well, before social media, I guess was the big thing is like getting that information. You had to get it the old school way. It was like word of mouth shops, like physically going and talking to each other, or like, you know, mm-hmm. being like an apprentice at a shop or something like that. And now you can just go on YouTube and type in, you know, how to lay an underbase and my face is going to pop up right away. And, right. <laughs> and whatever. It's, it's super awesome the way that's going now. And like, I think it's good for the industry in a lot of other ways too. Like for the companies involved that are making products for the industry, having, you know, people like myself and the other YouTube channels out there testing this stuff, saying what, you know, what's good about it, what's bad about it and whatever, giving that instant feedback is just going to make everybody better. I've worked with other, with other companies and stuff where you have this problem of what I call the glass room, which is there are these amazing minds that are in this company, in this classroom and they're coming up with these new products and new things, but they're, they're not letting other people in that glass room right. um, or they're not like looking outwards of the glass room if, and they're not accepting of it. So that is the biggest thing. Like you have to rely on people that are using your products or that are using your process every day and open the door to that feedback. Because as an engineer or a chemist, your mind is not looking at this problem the same way as a printer or a brand or a marketing person, you know, and that's, that's where I think a lot of people either just thrive or die, you know, and you have to be open to that. It's such a big thing to me. So another question you you're now doing like stickers and wrap and everything like that too. So, I mean, which this is funny because we, we keep on saying, now you're doing this, like now you're doing, (laughs) like there's still a laundry list of things that you're doing what, why did you, why did you bring that on? Well, my, like, this was all planned. Um, my goal from day one with this thing was to have a company where everything that like, basically you would want to slap your name on is in-house. One-stop shop. Uh, yeah. Because like I was getting all this stuff made for my brand and I had to go to like, my brand was tiny and I still had to go to like five or six different places to get it done. 
Uh, I can't imagine what it's like for some of these bigger companies. Well, now I know um, some of them are going, you know, they got a list of contacts, like 10, 15, 20 people right. long. They got to deal with like, you know, talking to them, meeting all these deadlines and stuff, say something's wrong. They got to talk to this guy and then they got to talk to that guy. And it's just this big, huge mess. And uh, I wanted to eliminate that. I wanted to bring all this stuff in house that like, number one, that I thought I was cool or that I thought was cool. And I knew I was going to be interested in, in the long run. And two, that like, these are things that are going to serve my clients in the long run. So yeah, I've been bringing in, you know, we got the, all the heat transfer stuff. We got the screen printing, we got the embroidery, and now we got the, uh, the wraps and the vinyl and all that stuff. And, uh, and obviously we're going to be bringing in more as well with the DTG very mm-hmm. soon. But uh, yeah, man, the, the vinyl thing's cool. It's a whole different world for me. It's, it's awesome to kind of learn like the uh, doing vehicle wraps is it's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. something that I would not expected that it's as hard as it is. It's, it's extremely difficult. And uh, my guy here that does it, who's actually my designer, Dan, it's his brother. His little brother came on because he's was a perfect fit as well for that. He shares that same kind of drive to be awesome at stuff. And he's just like, he's really interested in doing wraps. Like this guy lives for doing wraps. Like nice. when he's not working, he's wrapping stuff for fun. <laughs> Like, I don't know anyone who does it for fun. Wow. <laughs> it's, okay. That's it's cool. crazy. Like, he'll just sit there with like an emblem or something or he'll like the fender of his truck has been rewrapped. Like, I don't know, probably like 10 times in the last couple months. <laughs> it's like samples from these companies. And he'll just go and test them out on his truck and mess around and, and whatever. Yeah. Like he is dedicated to his job, which is amazing. And uh, yeah, the, the rap thing is really cool. We did our, our very first one. Uh, I documented on a video this past summer and like, you know, our first one was, it was badass. It wasn't just like a run of the mill color change kind of wrap or like a very simple thing. We, we made a badass looking vehicle and um, yeah, that side of the business is starting to grow pretty quickly now, which is amazing. So we're going to do a collaboration. Um, but what, what was it? Is there a reason that you were open to doing DTG or why you would want to bring DTG in? Like what's your goal with that? You think um, I've got a couple goals with that. I've, the first is like, I noticed a few holes in the production workflow here. Um, mm-hmm. The first one being, which is like something that every print shop deals with every single day is someone, Hey, can you print me three, four shirts of this design? That's got 12 colors in it. Right. <laughs> and obviously like, no, we cannot. And it sucks to turn those all away. Cause I started like doing the math on that. And it's like, you know, that's a lot of business that's getting turned away. And these people could end up leading to more and more and more of these or leading to like, you know, maybe they're, trying to start a brand or trying to start a thing and they can only afford that many shirts or whatever. Right. And they're going to end up maybe ordering more and more and more to the point where screen printing their stuff down the road is going to be feasible. Um, So yeah, I just, I I always think about that stuff. Like what can happen turning this one job away? How many more down the road did I just lose? So that's a really, really big thing. So have you ever also thought about, cause I've heard this from a couple of people too, where they'll say, you know, no, I can't, but I know a guy. Right. And then that customer goes to this guy, you know, um, and then over like six months or the next year, you start to notice that this customer, their quantity of orders goes down and down and down. And like every once in a while, like I've had people call me and say, yeah, I, I was sending orders over because we just didn't have this, whether it's screen printing or insert, whatever it is. Um, and it's like, you're letting that customer go. Anytime they go away from you, there's opportunity for them to go elsewhere and this other person, um, you know, has the opportunity to pull your business away from them too. Yeah. And that's a big thing that we've heard a lot of as well. Um, definitely the quantity of things. And so you said there was a couple of things. What, what else? 
Um, well, that's a real big one for me is that whole deal. Um, another one just with being in the position that I'm in with, I guess, all my stuff on the internet and whatever, um, print on demand is a real big one. Like I'm in a position yeah. where I can start a print on demand business and get that popping off pretty quickly because I can, you know, make a video, a couple Instagram posts and whatever, and it can be out to like a hundred thousand people in a day. So yeah. yeah, for me to not take that seriously, it would be really stupid because I, you know, screen printing is still king and no one can really dispute that. But mm-hmm. This whole direct-to-garment thing and print-on-demand, like that's here to stay, and that's going to keep getting better and better and better to the point like we're down the road. I think that's going to be like a real tough thing to compete with. So I want to, I want in on it now. Yeah, that's it's smart. What we what we've experienced too through COVID is print-on-demand just went boom, exploded. Yep. And what also happened was a lot of the large print-on-demand companies were kind of struggling through certain reasons and that opened the door to where um, a lot of people that we work with who are smaller print on demand, you know, people, um, I had a couple of them call me one day and they're like, Hey, we got 200 orders overnight. What do I do? What do we know, do? These, these orders are like between one and a hundred pieces. And they're like, we're used to getting like maybe 10 or 15 a night, you know? Um, Cause they're just kind of, they're getting into it, but like COVID totally changed. I think also the people's mindset of how they're ordering things. And yeah. You know, there's a, one of the other podcasts um, that we have coming out. It's, it's with or actually by the point that this goes, it'll already be out, but it's with Austin from a live print shop. And that's been one of the things that just, they turned that on and they used it not only for print on demand, but he talks about how they use that as a way to get brands to come in and they'll come in thinking that they need print on demand. And as they work through things, it actually ends up that no, they just need someone they can trust to get their stuff out the door. And, um, it's such a big thing. I mean, it goes back. You can't, you can't say no. I mean, and that's the biggest thing is your job should be to say yes every time with the caveat that you, you need to try to not say yes when you're just going to lose your shirt. Right. Like we are in this to make a profit as a business. (laughs) Yeah. We're definitely not to say yes to everything. That's for sure. Like I'm pretty picky about, um, who we work with a lot of the time, which I'm in a position, thankfully, like I'm very grateful to be in a position where I can do that. Um, that's pretty awesome. We kind of like, you know, maybe we're not going to print these like, you know, cheesy family reunion shirts or something like that because it doesn't <laughs> right. fit our hand, but you know, someone's going to come in with this badass design, this really cool company or whatever, then yeah, let's, let's do that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think a real cool thing too, is having the screen printing side to back up the DTG side or the print on demand side. I think that's a smart thing to have for a lot of right. people. Um, cause like you just said, you know, someone had an order of like a hundred shirts, you need an army of printers to pull that off. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, ETG, even the best machines are still not that fast. Um, but a hundred shirts is very feasible to do screen printing very quickly. So like, yep. you know, if you've got a print on demand order for 50 shirts, a hundred shirts and whatever, like, well, we can just screen print these instead and send them out and whatever. And you're still getting that business the same either way, which is a really cool thing to have. So, and vice versa with the DTG. I mean, like I, right now I turn away everyone asking me to print kids stuff. Um, right. Because I don't want to invest all that money in the the pallets for something I'm going to use, you know, once or twice a year or whatever. <laughs> but 
Yeah. <laughs> it's super annoying. So you have to obviously make different screens, set up the press differently and whatever. And they always want like four or five kids shirts and whatever. And I'm like, no, we're not going to do that. We can't do that and explain why. And they understand, but it still sucks to say no. Um, yeah. So in that case, it's kind of a perfect fit for that. We could be screen printing their other order and knocking all that out and then take those, you know, four or five kids shirts and toss them on the DTG and, and get it done and stop saying no to this stuff. Yeah. And I think it's, it's funny because people, a common question I get all the time is, Hey, so you think that DTG is, is going to kill screen printing. And I'm like, I mean, maybe eventually, but it's not either, or it is both. You need access to both, whether you have both in-house or, you know, you partner with someone to outsource part of it, whatever it is in today's world, especially you have to have both. And if anybody should be saying that DTG is going to kill screen printing, it should be me. And I'm telling you, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen. Uh-uh, no. It needs I to be. It. Awesome. Like, yeah, it has to be both. I mean, because also, too, there's, so I call it the plateau, right? Where it's all about time. If you can DTG this job in a faster time, spending less money, then it's going to take you to set up the job for screen printing, throw on a DTG machine. If yeah. it's the other way around, put it on screen printing, you know, cool. and and like you said, just the fact that you have the answer to both um, is such a big thing. And, and it's so funny because we all, the other question we get all the time too is, or call we'll get is, man, I'm so tired of doing screen printing. I'm, I'm selling all my screen printing stuff and I want to just switch all to DTG. Okay, great. You got a million bucks. What, <laughs> the, the business that you're doing right now, you're going to spend that much money on digital products and machines and all kinds of stuff like that to get close to what you're doing. Because yeah. you're a high output job, you know, everybody, you know, they want the easy way. That's what it comes down to. People want everything easy these days and right. it sucks, but that's, you know, the way things are going, I guess. But I think the two really supplement each other is what it comes down to. Like DT, caught, up to, caught up to the point now where it can supplement screen printing really well um, without being a massive difference between the two. Obviously there is differences, but it's like, it's not as crazy as it used to be as a few years ago. Right. Um, I think like down the road, you know, give it another 10 years, DTG is going to be doing some pretty awesome stuff. But at the same time, screen printing technology hasn't stopped by any means. Like it's still going and it's still going to get better too. And I think like the things like the hybrid stuff, that's probably the future. It's you know, super, right now, hybrid is just super cool. Yeah. Oh my God. Right now, on automatics. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Like right now it's pretty stupid. I'm not going to lie. I think like, you know, the machines are really, really ridiculously expensive and the workflow mm-hmm. for it is really dumb. Um, but I mean, it has to start somewhere too. DTG 10 years ago was really dumb too. And now it's right. really awesome. So I think like, you know, give that five to 10 years and that hybrid thing, I think that's kind of like where things are going to go. Yeah. It, it's really cool to see the technology on hybrid too. I mean, and, you know, where you screen print the underbase and the problem right now too, is just getting that ink dialed in and you're still like, you're, you're making a screen or two usually, um, yeah. when you're doing the hybrid printing and rocks doing some really cool stuff with, um, with like the rock now where they have like two hybrids, uh, in a yeah. sense. And I, I thought too, they got some new hybrid thing being announced. Super right cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the, the technology and again, too, what's what I really love seeing, even when, you know, like our competition comes out with new things, I love it because it's pushing things forward and people are learning, you know, and, and the technology today, like the honest answer is that there's some really great DDG machines out there. Each one of them are going to have their nuances. Like one's going to cost a ton of money for ink. Another one's going to be stupid when it comes to doing maintenance and long-term things like that. And just like random things, but in general, the technology is just 
light years better than what it was. And it's at such a cool spot to where I'm really going to be paying attention on what the next couple of years are going to be. Um, and cause I agree with you where like hybrid and just what's happening, um, you know, it's just awesome. We're on a three year, three to five year cycle of technology, right? So every three to five years, something new is going to come out and we're coming up on a three, a three year mark here in 2021, 2022 ish. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see. And, and a lot of people were, you know, stuck down <laughs> through COVID. Yeah. And that's going to keep ramping up too. Cause I mean, like mm-hmm. right now there's a new release every couple of years or something like that, but like yeah. think of other aspects uh, of industry, like, you know, computers or cameras, cameras are something that like, I'm oh, usually crazy about a cup. When I started getting into it, like, I don't know, I'd say six years ago, um, I'd say a new camera came out every two years, something like that, where it was like, you know, some new groundbreaking thing, two or three years was the time yeah. frame. And like now in the last year and a half alone, like eight have come out. Like I think Sony this year has released like nine new cameras that have just oh my like God, kept yeah. up each time from the last, which is insane. Like, uh, and I think like our industry is going to catch up with that eventually. Obviously like we don't have anywhere near as much money in our industry as they do, but it's, it's on the same trajectory. It's just going to take a little bit longer. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, and that's such a big thing too. What I like to see too is as as each one of these new things come out, um, especially when we're talking about like cam- something like cameras, the cost of the previous model or you know the the very minimal difference um, previous model at times just drops drastically. You know, like yeah. I mean, the camera that that we've got now. I mean, um, it's the A7 III. And, but it's like, cause they just released a newer version of it. And so we got it like in that, um, I have both of them. I have yeah. the, uh, the new version of the a seven three is right beside me. The a seven C the little compact version of that yeah. thing. And yeah. I have the a seven S three, which is like the beast video camera that's shooting mm-hmm. me right now. It's so, so cool. And what I love about it, and that's such a big thing. Like when you're a brand or when you're a company, I mean, even, even, you know, using your iPhone and stuff like that, like it's crazy what you can get with it these days. And yeah. And as a brand or as a company, like you have to be active and creating content and getting it out there. Um, you know, and that's such a big thing. I actually had a question for you on that. If oh, you're, yeah. if you're, I mean, you're obviously a content fanatic, like uh, your content's great. You're putting a ton, ton of it out there. Um, I feel like your content uh, again to you is really um, truthful, you know, uh, and um, but it looks good. It's very truthful in the fact of like, you're not sugarcoating a lot of things. What would you say though, when someone's starting out, they're not doing any social media, they don't know what to do with content. What would you tell them to do? Like, why is it valuable? Well, first of all, if you're not doing it, you're making a big mistake. Like I was just complaining about this yesterday, actually, because I'm in the market to buy a, a big, large format vinyl cutter. And the amount of like, there's these companies, all of them, none of them have any content about any of their stuff. Like, it's like, they're trying to make you not buy this thing. It's unbelievable. Like they have no instructional videos, no nothing. Like Suma is, they don't even have an Instagram. Like, come on. Um, (laughs) You know, I, uh, I was saying to to Dan yesterday, like we put more effort into explaining and marketing a $10 vector pack than these people do for a $10,000 machine. It's bananas. Um, But yeah, making content these days, like you have to, it's not a matter of like, should I, or shouldn't I, you, you have to be doing it. That's just the way it goes. You got to be hitting as many avenues as you possibly can. Um, I'm a little different with it, I guess, because some people just like, they'll just bomb out a ton of stuff and quality is really not 
on their radar as much. It's just a matter right. of like volume, um, which is a very good strategy. Like the volume strategy is kind of the way a lot of these platforms work. They, they would prefer that over like a nice crispy photo that, you know, once a week thing rather than the guy who's just taking iPhone shots just randomly without a care and posting them every single day. Sure. Um, I'm more about the quality thing. So that's kind of what we hinge our, our standpoint on. And like, it takes us a little longer to get the stuff out there, but when people see it, they're like, they're pumped to see it. Right. Yeah. So you got to figure out if you're, which guy you are, if you're going to be that guy, or you're going to be the one who's, who's just bombing stuff out there. Both are fine and both have very good results. Um, it's just what fits your brand better. And uh, other than that, man, I don't know. It's just, it's a, uh, it's a different, it's a different, kind of like world than it used to be a few years ago mm-hmm. trying to stay on top of how it all works and stuff like i'm trying to learn how like tiktok operates and i don't <laughs> i guess i'm getting old because i don't understand tiktok at all like why would anybody want to watch 90 percent of what's on there no idea oh it's nuts <laughs> but, it's super nice. like you look at the numbers God, it's crazy yeah oh it's it's crazy man i i so like to for me to ignore that would be really stupid even though i think like you know the stuff on there is just definitely not for me um I got to get on board with it. So I'm trying to figure that stuff out. And that's another thing when it comes to the content stuff, you got to kind of like put your ego aside and, uh, and get into it. Cause I mean, like that's, Mm -hmm. that's the way of the world now. That's what advertising 101 is now. Yeah. Yeah, And our industry has not caught up with that yet. Yeah. It's it's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because our industry is definitely, but it's, it's gotten so much better over the last like three, five years. Oh my gosh. But it's still, it's light still, years like, behind in certain aspects it's crazy and i deal with it pretty regularly because i, I mean, can't yeah i mean because like you're you're really doing a ton of it and uh i know we've had conversations about other companies have approached you and trying to do the traditional method yeah. and versus like this content this collaboration thing and it's super interesting so we one thing like that comes up a ton with us too like you know we we work with people who have amazing quality but they're not putting it out there they're not marketing their company. And, and when you ask them, it's like half of them will say, well, we just don't have time to do it. Slash, yeah. we don't necessarily know how. The other half will say, and I can't say half, but a huge chunk will say, well, I don't think it's going to be good enough. What do you think yeah. about that? So like the first one, the people who say they don't have time, that's cop out. That's, that's total bullshit. Those are the people who are like, either thinking they're too good to do it or whatever, or just don't want to get on board with the whole thing. There's no such thing as I don't have time to do it. Cause how hard is it to pull out your phone and go, and you know, maybe if you want do a little 30 second edit to pretty it up a little bit and post it on Instagram, it's really, it's not hard at all. So like everyone right. has time to do it. Um, I've had people tell me, you know, I don't have time to do this and whatever. And like, it's uh, whatever, I don't buy it. But uh, <laughs> the people who say it's not going to be good enough. Sure. That is a very real possibility. I'm going to tell you that right now. When you, if you haven't done any of it yet, like let's say you want to make videos, because that's what I'm most familiar with. When you start, you're going to suck, hands down. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no shirt going that. You're going to suck. My first videos were absolutely terrible. They were the worst. Um, but you're not going to get good at it unless you go through that period. That's right. really what it comes down to. You gotta, you gotta suck for a while until you can get good. And I mean, like when I got to the point where people thought like I was actually good at it, that was a few years ago. And now I look back on that stuff. And I'm like, wow, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, It's great. You're always progressing and whatever, but none of that starts without sucking in the beginning. So anyone who thinks like, you know, I'm not going to put this stuff out there because I don't think it's good enough. Then 
you got to get over that because mm-hmm. that you know you got to suck for a while to get good. I tell yeah, everybody. I'm, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that, that was it. I, I answer that question a lot because people ask me about making YouTube videos on a regular basis and whatever. And uh, they think, you know, you got to start off with all this cool camera gear and whatever, like, because I've got obviously some of the best of the best stuff right now. And yeah. yes, that stuff does make a big difference because there's people out there that say the gear doesn't matter. And I'm, those people are full of shit. It does matter. Um, sure. But in the beginning, it does not. Because even if you do have the best camera, I could put a $100,000 camera in your hands and you're a beginner and I could mm-hmm. grab my iPhone and I will destroy you. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, you have to know how to use that stuff. Um, And you you know, you got to start small to learn all that stuff. Cause I mean, there's a lot to learn when it comes to that, how to operate a camera properly, how to edit and all that stuff. It's a lot to take in. So starting off the smaller way is going to make it a lot easier and you'll be able to take off like bite-sized chunks of it. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, it's the same thing. Like I, I always look at it as when, when people give me this feedback and I'm like, why aren't you doing this? Well, I I don't have time or I, I don't, I can't learn this. I don't know how to do it. It's like, okay, well, you didn't know how to screen print like two years ago. Yeah. You know, what'd you do? Well, I figured it out. Okay. Now this is the next thing you're going to figure out. <laughs> like fail forward, man. I mean, you know, what's the worst case that's, it's so funny too, because you put something out on social or you do a little bit of things that like we were talking about paid advertisements earlier today. And that's a whole crazy world. Don't get me wrong. Like, but you know, if, if you're going after it and you're learning and you're figuring things out, I mean, you're paying for that education, but if you put a bad picture on Instagram or, you know, a video that doesn't go viral or whatever, which mass majority are not going to anyways, it cares about that. But if you don't do it, no one knows who you are. You're losing way more than you could be gaining versus if you put something out there, at least you may get someone interacting with you and you're going to yeah. learn from it. Oh my gosh. Like, and, and it's like, even with us, like you look at our Instagram and you know, like a li- my wife runs Inst- our Instagram account and um, does a lot, does all of our content. And it's crazy what her and I have really been able to tweak and dial in even in the last like handful of months. We look at some of the content we put out like two months ago and we're like, oh man, that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> but you look at the interaction you get from that piece of content. You look at how many times you've reshared that because someone asked a question that that piece of content answered or, or talked about or whatever. And if we hadn't done that, you know, you don't learn. And it's just, it's such a crazy thing. Like just get out there, do it, learn a thousand percent. Um, I just want people to do more stuff and show more things, be cool about yeah. it, have fun, you know? And, cool. and it's like, you can pay attention to like the, the real details of it too. Like if, again, I'm a nerd with this kind of stuff. I, I watch the analytics of my posting like mm-hmm. very closely to see how things are performing and like what I could do better, what picture or what video did better than the other. And then I can see, like dig into it a little deeper and see maybe why. And right. then I know, cool. So this type of thing is what people are really liking. I should do more of this. And that means more people are going to see more stuff and whatever. It's just, it's a never ending game with that stuff, but I mean, it's, it's fun to me. I, I love that type of thing. Yeah. No, I think it's awesome. I mean, and again, too, like it's, you're killing it. It's, I love the content that's coming out. I'm super pumped for us to get this uh, collaboration going and get some machines in your new shop. You have a new shop coming and uh, you want to tell, do you want to talk about that or do you want to not? I haven't like officially announced it yet, but I mean, like a lot of people know it's, there's something coming. They know I'm moving. Um, so I'm not going to get too, too into it. Cause I mean, there's going to be a lot of surprises down the road that I'm going to be shooting some pretty cool videos for, uh, nice. but yeah, we're moving into a new spot. We're going to be, moving all new equipment in there and a whole bunch of new things that we haven't done here before. So it's going to be awesome. And then, uh, 
as soon as we're in there, some other changes are happening pretty quickly too. So like the, probably the next, I want to say like six months are going to be crazy on my YouTube channel, just showing like some serious progression. That's awesome. I'm, I'm super pumped about that too. Cause like you're going through, you're documenting the growth and yeah. everything like it's super it's a cool fun to watch. To be in, Cause I don't think anybody has like, at least not in our industry is like shot everything they've done from like day one to current time. I don't think there's really many people out there that have that in, in anything really. Um, mm. It's pretty cool that like for me to go back and look at all the time, it's, it's really awesome because like, again, if I have like a shit day, I can go back to those first videos and watch them and be like, okay, yeah, things aren't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, Way worse. And, and yeah. And for the people watching too, to like to see, you know, maybe they want to start a print shop. They want to start a DTG shop. They want to start something. They can see the progression of, of what I've done with it from like ground zero. Cause I have a video, like from when the day I started my clothing brand and I literally was just in this tiny little bedroom with nothing but a laptop and a plastic folding chair and a couple of shirts. <laughs> and that video exists on my channel. And now here we are like three years later and we're moving into this big shop and we're going to have all this new gear and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. So that, that progression that they can watch as well is, is pretty cool. And I think it, I mean, I, I don't have to think I get messages about it every day of people saying like something that I've done along the way with YouTube has inspired them, which is really, really cool. And something that I would have never anticipated. And yeah. uh, it, it's really humbling to see that stuff. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm super happy to hear where things are going, see where things are going. And um, you know, I think again, the content's great and I'm excited to see that progression and change. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about or kind of dig into at all? No? <laughs> I don't know. We can talk some more DTG stuff. Cause I mean, that thing's going to be showing up here pretty soon. I need to learn. <laughs> it will be, man. It's going to be fun. I, I I'm super pumped about it because you know, like we're going to, you're going to go through the process and, um, it's, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be totally fun. And you're going to go through that learning curve and, see how important pre-treat really is because we're sending you yeah. that pre-treater pro. Um, and that's, that thing's become our, our top seller. It's just becoming super awesome. Um, so I'm excited for you to see it, but again, too, like I'm excited for, um, you know, the real aspect of it to be shown, um, because it's similar, it's very similar to screen printing in the fact of, you know, it's got its specific things that, you know, you learn and, my job and what we're doing is our goal is to help you learn those faster and so that you can be successful quicker. But the other major thing, if I was giving, if I was to give you a tip or anyone a tip is a couple of things. One, be very open to when you're bringing digital in, um, it, be open in the fact of be honest with why you're looking to bring it in. Talk to someone about that because, you know, a good amount of times, like people call us and it's not the right fit. If it's not the right fit, don't do it. Right. Go put that money elsewhere. Thousand percent. I tell people that every day, um, every day, myself or our sales team or Brendan, our head tech, or my wife, uh, Elizabeth does all of our social. Like we have those conversations. If it's not a right fit. Don't do it. Second thing, as far as being open is just be open to the process and have fun with it and know that it's a learning process and be open to rely on us, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, There's definitely a learning curve involved from what I've understood. It can, it definitely can be. And it's, it's one of those things where it's um, the, the, the funny part about it, digital um, from my experience is 
is definitely it's super similar with screen printing where like we can take the same equipment that you have in your shop and build a shop right next to you and we can try to hire the same people with the same equipment everything and they're going to want two different things those shops side by side yeah. right and so that's where it really comes into play where like when we work with people over you know the first 90 days we're we're tweaking things and making sure that you know hey you like this well, the mass majority of people don't want that, but you do. Great. We can change that. We can tweak that. It's cool. Um, that's where it can also get frustrating because some people yeah. just want to push a button. And <laughs> just like with screen printing, you're not pushing a button, right? You're going through this process and, and we'll speed that up. But yeah, I'm super pumped about it. And uh, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be real fun. So. Yeah. I'm excited for the, uh, for the mixed media opportunities. That's, yeah. that's what I'm excited for because we're going to have all this stuff under one roof and like, the gears are turning in my brain of how we can mm-hmm. have these machines work together to create some stuff that you don't see every day. I think that's going to be something that we're going to do. That's probably a little different than everybody. Uh, I, know awesome. I know I'm cooking up some stuff in my head that I, I know I haven't seen anywhere. Yeah. That's going to be super fun. I'm excited to see that and mess around with it too. You know, cause again, that's half of what we do is uh, play around with new stuff and figure it out. So yeah. It's my job to show people that stuff now and they can see me make all the mistakes before so they don't have to. <laughs> yeah. I tell people, I'm telling you, man, I tell every single person I've said this to who's in a similar position as you are, will completely agree with it. But the only reason why I know what I know is because I've messed it all up 10 times and I'm going to mess it up again. You know, like, and the goal, if we can, as educators or just as, as people using these machines and showcasing certain things, if we can help people not make some of those mistakes that we've made, it's a great day. It's an awesome day. Um, because you know, some of those mistakes are super tough and uh, yeah. cost a lot of money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I have a $30,000 DTG boat anchor sitting somewhere in Tennessee. That's cost that much money. So it's crazy. <laughs> you learn all kinds of things, man. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, that's a big thing when it comes down to like me making my content is like you said, being real about it and showing people yeah. that stuff. But so they're not going to make those same mistakes that, that I have or whatever. Or you know, if I am triumphant for some reason, then they can follow those steps and get the same result. It's really cool being able to to do that stuff. Like I try to avoid what I call YouTuber syndrome, <laughs> which is mm, uh, what's that? YouTubers are <laughs> like. 90% of them are inherently full of shit. Um, YouTubers in their videos, they edit out anything that is anything less than happy and perfect, right? They're always in a good mood. Everything's always going great and blah, 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 and whatever. That's like, that's most of YouTubers these days and most of social media in general actually is that. And uh, it's just not the way the world works, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. You're making mistakes, you have bad days, you have like just, things come up. It's, it's the way it is. And, um, I always make a point of like, I never will and will never cut any of that out of my videos or any of my content. And, uh, for a reason, because number one, I don't want to give people those false expectations. Like they're going to jump into screen printing or DTG and that's going to go perfectly for them on the first day. No, that's mm-hmm. never going to happen for anybody. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, I explained it to someone like this other day and like in a world where everybody is, so perfect all the time, seemingly on social media, being imperfect makes you stand out. True. Very true. Yep. So, and that's, I'm pretty sure that's like how I've gotten where I've gotten Yeah, is because of that. Yeah. Just being real, being honest, be truthful and uh, don't be afraid to make the mistake because that's, yeah. 
that's how we learn fail forward thousand percent so yeah and plus i mean i got thick skin so i don't really care about putting failures out on the internet because yeah. i mean like you hear about them in the comments you have to <laughs> you got to oh my gosh i've read yeah. some of those comments i'm like man that's some yeah. pretty brutal stuff I that's mean, why I like, I'll usually share some of them on like my Instagram. Cause like my responses usually are light, light them up pretty bad. <laughs> and people like <laughs> people love those responses so much. That's why I do it. Cause like, usually I have some okay. real good comeback to where they have nothing to say. <laughs> nothing They're to say really, I've seen you, you share, you sent me some of those there. I saw some in your, in your stories a couple days ago, man, I, I love watching those or reading yeah. through them and everything. Oh, it's funny. Oh, pretty good. It's that's really funny. <laughs> that's like a lot of people say like, you know, how do you deal with like the hate comments and stuff like that? Cause you can't, it doesn't matter how good you are at social media. Those things are coming for you. There's right. always someone with something to say. Who's just like, I don't know. They got some kind of issue that they got to work out with you. And uh, I just like, I just say like, dude, bring it. I, I love the hate comments. Cause then I get the, the opportunity to use like the cleverness <laughs> with the uh, with the responses yeah. i never make, get to do that in real yeah, make life make some comedy i mean make it funny have a laugh about it and then move on yeah. right i mean whatever. oh yeah i'm usually laughing while i'm typing those things out i'm just there giggling <laughs> whoever's there at the time is like what are you laughing at i was like you'll see <laughs> <laughs> so okay so tell me if people want to you know watch your channel read some of those comments follow you on instagram put some plugs in for you um, yeah, you can just search my name, Lee Stewart on YouTube and it's pretty easy to find me. And then I'm Lee Stewart 38 on all social platforms. And, uh, and then of course we've got my print shop. That's where I post like all my print work. I keep that separate. Um, you can search up rogue lab MFG, which is the same on all social platforms and YouTube as well. Nice. Heck yeah, man. Any last things that you would tell anyone trying to get into this industry or, you know, do some of the things that you're doing? Like if you were told this years ago, that would have helped you or anything that you would say, Hey man, this is what I'd I think. Say, if you're thinking about it, do it. Cause I've thought about it for a really long time before I actually did it. And now that I'm where I'm at, I wish I had started, you know, five, six years earlier when I originally had this idea pop into my head because I've missed out on a ton of fun at this point. Now I'm trying to make up for it. Yeah. Well, cool, man. It's awesome. Again, I, I love watching it and uh, I can't wait to, send this podcast out. I seriously appreciate your time. Oh my gosh. I've had a, a lot yeah. of fun talking through this and I hope you enjoyed it as well, but a lot of nuggets in here, a lot of nuggets, some cool <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. It was super fun. Good, man. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. And thanks again. Seriously. Appreciate it. Anytime. <laughs>